0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Take your Bible if you would, open it to Acts 18. We're going to be looking at a message called The Next Step. And I want you to uh, hold a finger in Acts 18 and also go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, Acts 18. Those are the two main texts for the moment. We continue a verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. We're talking about the next step. Whatever the next step is for you, I'd say just one thing right up front. Make sure it is toward the Lord. We're always talking about next steps in our culture and in our personal lives. Whatever the next step is for you, make sure it is toward Christ and not away from Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're here together. We don't even want to take that for granted for a moment. The gift of today is a gift from your hand. It is good to be together as Michael prayed, as a congregation, as saints in Christ. And we also want to just acknowledge anyone who's here who may be visiting or also just checking out Christianity that you would also speak to them and make them feel welcome and at home. Uh, Right now, Lord, it is our prayer that you would be glorified. We lay the rest of this time at your feet as we already have for the worship, now we do for the word. We ask that you would speak and give us ears to hear what you would have us to hear, but more than that, a heart to apply what we hear. Let us be um, not just merely hearers, but effectual doers, that we might please you in all that we do. Give us the grace that we need to take the next step closer to you, Lord. Wherever we are in our spiritual walk with you, I pray that this morning would help us to take a step closer and know you better. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Now on Wednesday nights, we're going through Philippians and I took the, the group that was there, if you were here with us, through a message called Press On. And uh, many years ago, about 12 years ago now, it was my older son's birthday party and we had some friends over from the church. And uh, the next day I was going to preach the text I'm about to read to you. And the title of that message was Press On. And we had the incident of a runaway bicycle. Let me tell you what happened. So we were kind of hanging out by the curb. We had people over from the church. We were leaning against the cars and the kids and the family were going up to our the mailbox and beyond. We live on kind of a decline hill. It wraps around about a quarter of a mile down the hill. And the kids were going on scooters and skateboards and that kind of thing. And they were picking up speed, coming down the hill, and then they were turning into our lawn at the last second and rolling around, (laughs) having a great time. Well, Nathan, my middle son, was five at the time. And uh, he had just graduated from training wheels to no training wheels, so he got his big boy bike and he made his way up the hill with the big kids, and he was going to go down. And so we were, the kids were coming by, ah, having a great time, yeah, crashing into the grass. And then we heard a scream that didn't sound like a scream of glee, it was, And I realized at that moment that my five-year-old boy with no training wheels had forgotten how to use the brakes of the bike. And so he was cascading down this hill. And I have to tell you, you do pick up speed. And he had this little kind of toy helmet on. And I was thinking of all these horrible things that were gonna happen. And we're trying to tell him what to do. But the bike was picking up speed and he was kind of going around this curve. And daddy kicked into gear. Now keep in mind, this was 12 years ago. At that time... Maybe you could think I was the six million dollar man. At least the people who were there thought they said to me, Michael, we've never seen anything like that. Never seen anybody move that fast. But I just thought this is going to date me now. I was just taking off after that bike. And he was picking up speed, and the handlebars are shaking. Daddy, daddy, daddy. And I had a moment where I knew if I didn't grab him at that moment, he was going to get away from me. He was accelerating quickly all the bad things going through your mind. I reached out, he had a little tank top on, grabbed him, grabbed some skin off of his back, yanked him off the bike, and he was like, the bike crashed near the mailbox of the neighbor's house. I had him in my arms, and then I told the crowd on Wednesday, then I realized how many uh, injuries I had. You know, when adrenaline's flowing and you don't think about anything, my singular focus was that boy getting him off the bike, and then I started walking up the hill, and I was like this. I had injuries everywhere. So he goes up to the bike. I don't want to ever ride that bike again. He throws the bike down on the ground. And the people there had eyes like saucers. Pastor Michael, you won't believe what that looked like from behind. You were chasing that bike. I've never seen anything like it. And I was like, Now give me some ice. (laughs) Right? So the next day I was preaching a message called Press On. I want to read to you what Paul said. This is Philippians 3, verse 10. Paul had been walking with the Lord for 30 years at this point. He'd written two-thirds of the New Testament letters, or he would, and he said, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. Paul already knew him. He wanted to know him deeper. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, Philippians 3.11, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it. We would say in our language, I haven't arrived or have already become perfect, but I press on. Now the phrase press on is a single Greek word. It was used by the Greeks of a hunter chasing his prey, singularly focused on getting to that animal. It was also used in races, uh, Olympic races of a runner not looking back while he was running so that he could keep his stride and get to his goal. And when I told that story to the crowd, you could see how that word had great meaning to me because it became all about focusing on that kid and running down that bike. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, even though I know Christ, I want to press on. I want to take, you could write in your Bible, the next step in order that I may, I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul saying, I want to seize on to what he seized me for, the ministry for which I was called. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having seized it or laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. Literally in Greek, this is one thing. Forgetting what lies behind past mistakes and even past victories that we might be resting on and reaching forward to what lies ahead. This is the image of a runner trying to lean forward to cross the tape and beat an opponent. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Go back to Acts 18. The upward call, some scholars have mentioned that on special occasions, the Roman emperor himself would be at the games. He would be seated on a bema seat, an elevated platform And on special occasions, he himself would give the wreath of flowers at the time. It wasn't a gold medal. You won a wreath of flowers if you won the race. He would crown, he would put it on their head. And on special occasions, you would get an upward call from the Roman emperor himself if you won the competition. He would call you up to the bima and he would award you with the the wreath of flowers. And I think Paul is talking about one day I am living for that upward call. One day, my desire, the reason I keep pressing on, the reason I keep taking next steps is that I might hear from the king, from the ultimate emperor himself, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, Paul knew that he had not arrived yet and he wanted to take the next step. And I want to show you three case studies and you are probably going to find yourself in one of these about taking the next step. This is Acts eighteen eighteen. It says, and Paul, having remained many days longer, Acts 18:18, 18, 18, took leave of the brethren. He had been in Corinth, as we saw two Sundays ago, and he put out to sea for Syria. That would be Syrian Antioch, where the church had sent him from. And with him, his newfound friends and fellow tent makers were Priscilla and Aquila. And in Centria, that's the eastern port of Corinth, he had his hair cut, for he was keeping. A vow. I want you to notice that Paul was in the middle of a vow. He was actually keeping it, and he needed to fulfill it. And one of the things that he did in keeping this vow is had his hair cut. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, though. Paul was so big on the gospel of grace. Acts 15, the Jerusalem council, they hammered out the gospel of grace. And Paul said, you're saved by grace and not by works. What is Paul doing several chapters later keeping a vow? I thought we're not supposed to make vows. I thought we're supposed to be very careful about these kinds of things. Well, remember, Paul, though he was a Christian, never stopped being Jewish. And apparently, even after he knew he was saved by grace, he decided to go deeper with God. And here's a man who's extremely mature in Christ. We've talked about some of the great things that he's accomplished. And still, he knew he could go deeper. And the way he expressed that desire to go deeper was to take The consensus of scholarship is the Nazarite vow. Now with that in mind, I want you to go to Numbers chapter 6. Have you ever come to a crossroads in your life and maybe it's because something special has happened, maybe it's even a difficult time, and the Lord visited you in some special way? Numbers 6 is what you want. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Well, what had just happened to Paul in Corinth? Paul had had success in the Corinthian synagogue. Some people rejected, others believed. Even the synagogue leader became a Christian. Paul went to bed that night, and you remember what he was probably thinking from, it was implied in the verses, if you were with us two Sundays ago, he was thinking, I'm hanging up my cleats. I don't think I can be a Christian missionary anymore, Lord. Because if I keep speaking, I know what's happening next in this town. They're going to beat me up, or they're going to stone me, or they're going to kill me. I don't know if I can go on. And the Lord came to Paul in the night by a vision, and he told him three things. He said, Paul, don't be afraid anymore. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. My version, the New American Standard, says go on speaking. Take the next step, Paul. Don't you go backward in your walk right now. I know you're afraid. I know you're fearful, but you go on. And the Lord visited him in a special way and and he concluded that visit by saying, I am with you and nobody's going to harm you in this city. Now people would sometimes take the Nazarite vow in response to a gracious blessing from God. It was one way that they could say, Lord, thank you for rescuing me. I was at a crossroads. I was even thinking about taking several steps back and you met me right there. Have you been there before? Ever been in a tough spot? Asking God some very difficult questions like, I don't even know if I can go on in my faith. And the Lord visits you in some special way and encourages you and you want to do something for him. So for the Jew, this is one way to express that gratitude, either for past blessings or even asking the Lord for future blessings. The Nazarite vow, number six, verse one, was a temporary vow. It says again, Uh, Number six, one, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite to dedicate himself to the Lord. One of the key words here is dedicate. He shall abstain from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar, whether made from wine or strong drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat uh, fresh or dried grapes. All the days of his separation, second key word you have, dedication and separation. That's the idea of the Nazarite vow. He shall not eat anything that is produced by the grapevine, from the seeds even to the skin. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall pass over his head. Now there were three lifelong Nazarites in the Bible. They were Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist. And their whole lives had been dedicated to the Lord. And you remember when Samson finally got himself in trouble, he was toying around with Delilah, and finally he gave away the secret. He said, the secret's in my hair. I've never had my hair cut, and if you cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. Now, was the, the source of uh, Samson's strength his hair? No. But he had taken a Nazarite vow of dedication and separation, and by virtue of that, God gave him supernatural power. When he cut his hair, what happened is his vow ended. His status as as dedicated and separated was over. So look at verse five. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall pass over his head. He shall be holy until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. So he he shall let the locks of hair on his head grow long all the days of his separation to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead person. So no great products, no haircut, and you weren't to defile yourself with the dead. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother, even if a very close loved one died, for his brother or for his sister when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he is Holy to the Lord. Am I going to circle that phrase, holy to the Lord. That's the same language that was on the crown of the high priest. Holy to the Lord. Dedicated and separated. And you as a Christian right now, those two words describe you. This is also a New Testament concept. Because to be separated to God is to be called out of the world and called to Christ, and that's the word for church. It's ekklesia in Greek. It means to be called out, separated from the world, and called to Christ. That's you if you're a Christian today. The second word is uh, dedicated, and it's the idea of the word holy. And in the Bible, in the New Testament, you are called a saint. You are holy to God. You, my brothers and sisters, are separated and dedicated to Christ by virtue of your Christianity. And so, if a man dies very suddenly beside him and he defiles his dedicated head of hair, then he shall shave his head on the day when he becomes clean. He shall shave it on the seventh day. And then what ends up happening is there's a... A prescription for an offering if you got defiled in the middle of the vow. Somebody died right next to you. You came in contact with death and you had to start over. Your vow had to begin over again and it started with the shaving of your hair. Now you ask the question, what's the deal with the hair? Well, there are very few things on our body that we could cut and present to God. I can only think of a couple things. (laughs) One would be, I mean, unless we got drastic, but we're not going to go there. But I can think of your fingernails you cut regularly or your hair. And your hair is on your head. And Jesus Christ is our head. He is over us. And so by virtue of this vow, you are basically letting the hair grow, honoring God, and then you would dedicate it to him. You would say, Lord, I'm giving you uh, what I can, a, a, a part of me is before you as an offering. The Bible says in Romans 12, we're to present our bodies as what? A living and holy sacrifice. We're to be holy and pleasing to him. This is our reasonable service. And so he goes to this vow of separation. Look at uh, verse 13. Now this is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his separation are fulfilled, he shall bring the offering to the doorway of the tent of meeting, and he shall present his offering to the Lord: one male lamb, a year old without defect. Think of Jesus for a burnt offering, and one ewe lamb, a year old without defect, for a sin offering, and one ram without defect for a peace offering. A basket of unleavened cakes. Jesus was unleavened; he was without sin. A fine flour mixed with oil and unleavened wafer spread with oil, along with their grain offering. And their libations, those are drink offerings poured on top. Then the priest shall present them before the Lord and shall offer his sin offering and his burn offering. He shall also offer the ram for a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord together with a basket of unleavened cakes. The priest shall likewise offer its grain, offer its, offering its libation. The Nazarite shall then shave his dedicated head of hair at the doorway of the tent of meeting that would be in Jerusalem and take the dedicated hair of his head and put it on the fire which is under the sacrifice of a peace of, of peace offerings. And the priest shall take the ram's shoulder when it has been boiled and one unleavened cake out of the basket, one unleavened wafer and shall put them on the hands of the Nazarite after he has shaved his dedicated hair. Then the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. It is a it is holy for the priest, together with the breast offered by waving and the thigh offered by lifting up. And afterward, the Nazarite may drink wine, so his vow of separation is over. This is the law of the Nazarite who vows his offering to the Lord. My understanding understanding is that typically people would do about a thirty day vow of this kind of nature, according to his separation in addition to what else he can afford, according to his vow which he takes, so he shall do according to the law of his separation. And then notice what God says to Moses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you shalom, give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I then will bless them. The famous Aaronic blessing, which many pastors use at the end of a service, is actually tied to the vow of the Nazarite. And I don't know how far to take this, but I'll tell you this as a student of the Bible, I think that there's some special way that maybe God is saying he will reveal his face or a special blessing that he will give to us as we draw near to God. What's the Bible promise? He will draw near to us. If you want to go deeper as a Christian, and you should, go back to Acts chapter 18. God will meet you there. I'll guarantee it. Because that's what the Bible teaches. You draw near to him. You say to him, Lord, I want to go deeper in my life. And Paul had been walking with the Lord for 30 years, uh, or uh, possibly 30 years at this point, at least when he wrote Philippians. And still, he wanted to go deeper. Can you think of why Paul would want to go deeper? How, How a guy like him, could anybody be more dedicated? Yes, Paul thought he could. And I think every Christian who is maturing in their faith knows we got a ways to go. None of us have arrived, amen? Not one of us have arrived. And so Paul, I think, is saying, I want to know him better. And I think he was so grateful for the way the Lord had encouraged him. This was the best way for him to express it in a Jewish way. Lord, I'm going to take the Nazarite vow. And so notice what happens now. So he has his hair cut. He's keeping the vow. Verse 19, and they came to Ephesus... So Paul has now exited Corinth and gone to another major city. We'll talk about in the coming weeks some details about Ephesus. And he left them. That is, he left Priscilla and Aquila there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Remember, Paul was fearful, uh, as we saw in Corinth, but then he stayed there for a while. He was recharged, re-encouraged, refreshed by the Lord, and back to the ministry he goes. Reasoning with the Jews. And, and he found something shocking that wasn't typical for Paul. He's in Ephesus, this major city, and they asked him to stay for a long time. Paul had to be shocked. You, what? You don't want me to get out of town? You, you don't have a rock that you're about to throw at me? You want me to what? Can you repeat that? Just so the, let, me, let me dial this thing in. Did you say stay? Did you say you'd like me to stay at your house and you want to hear more about Christ? Yeah. Paul? We want you to stay. And Paul did not consent. What? Finally, he's got a very nice invitation, and he said no. Now, some of you may need to take a next step going deeper, but before you can go deeper, sometimes there's an interim step. See, Paul cut his hair in Sancreia, and Josephus tells us, that it was lawful for Jews to do the haircut outside Jerusalem, but then they had a period of time, about 30 days, where they had to bring the hair to Jerusalem, to the temple. So you could, ha- you could do the haircut, you could finish that one aspect, but you had to dedicate the hair at the temple. And Paul knew that in order to finish the vow, he had to go to Jerusalem, so he couldn't stay in Ephesus, and it had to be tempting. So I think he took the hair, put it in a little Ziploc bag, first century Ziploc bag, And said, you know, no, I got to finish the vow. Is there something, I ask you, that may be an interim step that's keeping you from the next step? Something that you need to finish. Maybe some uh, commitment that you made that is yet undone. Well, for Paul, he said, look, I can't stay now. He took his leave of them. Look at 21. He said, I will return to you again. This was in Paul's vocabulary. Should be in ours. If God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Now traveling in these days was not easy as you know. He didn't board a plane. Uh, He got on ships and many of these trips were arduous and then you had to walk from certain locations. It wasn't easy to go fulfill the vow that he had made but he was going to fulfill it. And I ask you, are you... If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up putting on the full armor of God, a revealing look at God's armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style, and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom-made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks each piece of armor reflects God himself he's the God of truth he's righteous he's the God of peace all the pieces of the armor point to him and they point to his provision to you the believer because he loves you the reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father he knows about the spiritual battle he knows about the enemy and he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation. Suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's now available on Amazon. I wanna get this book in your hands because I believe it's gonna help you as a Christian to walk in strength, to know how to put on the armor daily, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, and to experience more victory in your Christian life. Right now, you can get it on Amazon. It's Suit Up by Pastor Michael Lance. I would urge you to get the book today. If you want to give a donation directly to Living Truth Radio, send us an email and we'll get the book into your hands. as our gift to you for a donation to the radio ministry. LivingTruthRadio.org is the radio website. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program. And we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, I want to invite you to visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org to get more familiar with our church fellowship. If you live in the Inland Empire and don't have a church home, come and worship with us. We have a wonderful church family that meets here in the city of Corona. Our service times are 9th and 1115 a.m. You can get more information about that at the website. That's livingtruthcorona.org. God bless you.